nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hello, this is Leanne Meyer, and you have come back to join us on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. Um, I started this show in August of 2017 with the frustration that unless you are a nurse or you've been cared for by a nurse, the general population has no clear idea of what nurses do. Business people who run healthcare organizations often not only do not understand what we do, but have little comprehension of why we do the things that we do. And it's often uh, pretty thankless work. Um, I think that for many of us, it's the emotional paycheck which keeps us in this job um, rather than, than almost anything else, with the possible exception of the coworkers that we work with. So um, another of my frustrations is that Hollywood and television in general does a terrible job of presenting the nurse and her work. So I'm delighted to discuss the theme today of nurses in the media. And I would like to introduce my guest today. I'm eager to welcome uh, Barbara Glickstein, who is a public health nurse, health policy expert, and broadcast journalist. Um, and I'll like to tell, uh, let her tell you a little bit more about herself and how she's come to this point in her career. So, Barbara, welcome, and uh, tell us more about you. It's great to be here with you and your listeners this afternoon. I reside in New York City, uh, born and raised New Yorker. I have been a nurse since the 1980s. It was a career path that I always wanted to take and with some paths off of it before I completed my degree at New York University in 1985. I was an older student at that point. And after working clinically for a very short period of time, I went back to graduate school with a focus on public health and health policy as well as urban planning because I was, to be very frank, quite frustrated by uh, some of the points you raised in your introduction. The lack of understanding of the role of the nurse in the healthcare team, the lack of voice of nurses in at the policy table, and my concern about public safety, access, and quality of care. Uh, after um, while I was in uh, undergraduate school, I was asked uh, by my final course to do a leadership project, and at that time decided to do a documentary film. I'd never made a documentary film, um, mm-hmm. and I chose to do a documentary film about nurse leadership in policy issues. Uh, it was not a well-done film in terms of quality of camera work, et cetera, but it did get me an invitation onto a radio show that was then produced and hosted by nurses called Every Woman's Space. And after being on the show and talking about the film, I ended the segment and asked the producers and hosts, can I join you? This is a medium that I'm quite comfortable in. Uh, that was over 35 years ago. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Diana Mason, who uh, is the Emeritus President of the American Academy of Nursing, as well as other nurse leadership roles, she was the Editor-in-Chief in the American Journal of Nursing, 
and a faculty member at Hunter College and works with me now at George Washington University. Uh, she and I took over the leadership production and senior production and hosting. We have been on the air for, as I said, over 35 years, producing and hosting radio, now podcasts called Help Cetera, bringing voices of nurses on the program as well as other unheard invisible voices in the healthcare community to reframe and also expand the frame on the coverage of health and health policy. My current position at this at George Washington University School of Nursing is Director of Communications and Media at the Center for Health Policy and Media Engagement. Uh, I've been there for a year and the work is very satisfying in bringing forth again the agenda of the role of nursing uh, exposing the public to a better understanding of it, educating journalists about nurses, as well as uh, advancing policy positions that will advance the health of individuals, families, and communities in the United States. Well, that is quite a mouthful, and it sounds like fascinating work. So how fortunate for you. And isn't it interesting how one decision made in school changed perhaps the whole course of your um, career going forward? It absolutely did, and I also want to, I like to honor my home environment growing up. Uh, My parents were working people. Um, It was in the days when there were five daily newspapers. Uh, There was a morning paper and an afternoon paper, and my parents read the newspaper front to back. Hmm. And at dinner, we discussed politics, we discussed civics, and we discussed community engagement. And I was raised at home Uh, that showed me that voting matters, that knowing and understanding both national and international government policies out of the United States made a difference in your home and in your community. So I was raised to be very conscious of myself as a citizen, uh, myself as a nurse, myself as a woman, and I really do credit that environment uh, also as my interest in journalism and as a broadcast journalist and public health nurse. Wow, yeah. It, it does make a difference um, what that foundation is because you do take that with you throughout your life. We, we may have already answered this, but perhaps there is a lot more to talk about. But uh, why do media? Why should we be involved? Why should nurses be involved in media? Well, the question that I like to pose about this is, are nurses unheard or are we not putting our voices out there? Mm-hmm. And I need to also say that journalists reflect society as a whole. And in your opening comments, Leanne, you mentioned that we are underrepresented. But changing the public's view of nursing means educating health reporters about nursing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really our job. I would also suggest that this is a a gender issue and a feminist issue. Mm-hmm. The gender statistics in nursing, um, the workforce issues, the latest data still reports that about 90 to 91% of all nurses in the United States are women and about 9% are men. So we have a gender issue here in addition to the fact that nurses have maybe not contributed their voices and stood up and requested interviews or engaged reporters. If I may, I'd like to refer to the Women's Media Center, which is a Washington-based think tank and advocacy group, who every year puts out a report about the media gender gap in media. 
And the name of the report is Divided 2017. This is the latest report that was just released in the beginning of this year. And what that showed is that men still dominate U.S. media. They receive 62% of the bylines and other credits in print, Internet, TV, and wire news, while women receive only 38%. It also reports that across media platforms, whether it's broadcast, meaning television and radio, print, Internet, and news wires, men dominate across the board. So we have this issue where um, women are reporting, and some would suggest that maybe it's looking a little bit better. But what we also know that men are producing most of the sports, crime, and, ju- and justice coverage, and mm-hmm. women are more likely to get bylines in lifestyle, health, mm-hmm. and education. Yeah. And it's still not an equal. It's still not equal or greater. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. And all of the things that have been coming out right now uh, with the attacks on media in general and in specifics, and then also some of the uh, Me Too um, uh, discussions that are coming out with women being in a situation where they're still having harassment in many of those uh, male-dominated work fields, um, it really makes you, you know, understand a little bit more about why these dynamics stay the way they are. Well, I think it's time's up, as the other movement has said. And right. I would go back to my um, original point and you, or your answer your, your initial question, which is, why should nurses be in the media? Well, nurses should be in the media because we have an expertise, and it's across many areas of health and health care, whether it's clinical expertise, clinical innovation, clinical research, policy, administrative, Models of care, efficiency of care, quality of care, as you know, Leanne, it is vast. The knowledge base is vast. Mm -hmm. The idea of diversifying sources reporting on health and health care for your journalist listeners and for those who are in journalism school or nurses who are listening and others is the frame and the viewpoint that others outside of physicians, and this is not a physician bashing moment, it's just to state the fact that most reporters immediately go to medical doctors for opinions on health and health issues. So that means that an area and multiple areas, not just nursing, physical therapy, social work, occupational therapy, respiratory therapy on issues of lung and health disease around breathing, Mm-hmm. Their voices are not being heard around their expertise, their areas of research, and their areas of models of care. And I believe that the public suffers because of it. And so yeah, as a public health nurse and as a journalist, it's critical to me to bring these platforms like your radio show into view and to engage in conversations with journalists to let them know that sometimes the way you reported that story missed a certain frame that might have been more expansive with a Mm -hmm. nurse's viewpoint with that area of expertise. Exactly. And I think so many times patients tend to talk to the nurses more clearly and more deeply than they're willing to talk with the doctors. So they have a perspective that pretty much comes from their point of view, uh, not very much from the patient or certainly, as you said, from the nurse. Um, And that's one of the things I've always uh, felt was a problem. It's one of the basic reasons why I thought it was time for nurses to be able to talk to each other 
and hopefully, you know, create a platform uh, for other people who want to know about nurses or are thinking about going into nursing or any of those kinds of things um, could be able to do that. And so that's what we have been doing here with this uh, program, and it has expanded quite rapidly. So apparently there are other people who agree with us. Um, I know you're involved in the... If I may, may, just in response to that, Leanne, is that it's important, um, critically important you're building your base and critically important that your audience base is expanding and including um, not only nurses, as you've said, what I want to suggest, um, or not just suggest, is to also tell you uh, in a moment about a study that we're revisiting. Uh, I am a journalist, and I'm a member of the Association for Healthcare Journalists, which has over eight, 800 health reporters as members. We have our meeting in Phoenix in April. And um, not only myself, but others have been advocating and somewhat successful, not across the board successful, on these panels that are, you know, concurrent and multiple in helping to uh, help journalists better understand how to report on issues like the opioid epidemic or end of life or uh, pediatric cancers is is there a nurse on the panel as well? So there right. are ways that we individually, um, who, those of us who are members of the association, who are, have a, a strong interest in diversifying uh, sources that reporters use, are working on that end. What I want to say that, tell the listeners are, that a lot of reporters really don't understand all of the different ways there are nurses. So we mm-hmm. have associate degree mm-hmm. nurses, we have BSNs, we have NPs, we have clinical nurse specialists, we have DNPs, we have PhDs. And then in between, there's certification across the board. It sure. is a complex, multi-leveled way that we work and practice. And it's not an easy field to figure out if you're not an insider. So I Mm -hmm. would recommend that we help the public better understand what our degrees mean and what our scope of practice is within that degree so that we can help journalists better understand when they call us for an interview why we can speak with that expertise. Exactly. And maybe in, in many cases with more expertise than the physician might have. Um, I am actually having a program, I think it's April 16th, that is going to be several people with um, nurse practitioner background, but various different ways they're using that. And to talk about, you know, what is that? How is that different from other nurses? A lot of people think that nurse practitioners might be a replacement for doctors and things like that. So we're going to talk about that at that point. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I also wanted to uh, bring us back to the Center for Health Policy and Media Engagements. I know that you are very deeply involved in that, and and tell us more about that and what's important to you about that. The center within the School of Nursing as part of the center as part of the George Washington University School of Nursing, was established for many reasons. One, being in Washington, D.C., George Washington School of Nursing has tremendous interest in being very adept at teaching and advocating on behalf of health policy issues. We're in D.C. Most of the students who apply to school there, whether it's an undergraduate or graduate degree levels, 
express a strong interest in wanting to be in the D.C. school area, whether it's online through the online virtual courses or in Foggy Bottom, where our undergraduate, uh, Foggy Bottom and Ashburn in Virginia, where our undergraduate school is, all express an interest in being better educated in health policy. And mm-hmm. I would suggest that health policy should be a required course in undergraduate school across the country. Uh, if we don't understand policies that are being passed or trying to be passed that will impact our profession and the people we serve in the community, then we can't advocate on behalf of ourselves and as well as the people that we care for. So the uh, dean, Dean Pam Jeffries, Pamela Jeffries, um, approached my colleague and I, Dr. Diana Mason. We had been doing work in this area. And Dr. Mary uh, Jean Schulman, who is a, a faculty member at GW with a background in policy, to establish a center, uh, which we did in uh, December of 2016. The center has uh, an education component. There's a health policy certificate course available for those outside of GW who are interested in advancing their health policy knowledge. Uh, taught by leading health policy experts, which covers legislation, economics, media, uh, how the Hill works, how you can advocate at the Hill, et cetera, as well as we have senior fellows who are interested in advancing their work at all levels of both doctoral degree and doctorally prepared educators, uh, journalists, and um, nurses who are working uh, both in education and in the field as clinicians who are now being mentored as senior fellows in media. They've learned to produce and host radio. They are blogging at our site, which is called HealthCetera, that you can find at healthmediapolicy.com, and are holding monthly brown bag lunches on webinar to educate the faculty on policy and media, as well as research and the link to and educate how to translate your research papers and published work Mm -hmm. into pitches. Reality. So that. Yeah. yeah. Barbara, we need to take a break. So let's, let's pick this up again on the other end of the break. Um, This is really uh, both an important and interesting uh, part of nursing that many people aren't fully aware of. So this is once a nurse, always a nurse exploring the world of nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, your host. I'm here with Barbara Glickstein, and we are talking about um, nurses in the media and many other things. So please join us again on the other side of the break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer from Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, and we are in the midst of a discussion about nurses in the media. I'm talking with Barbara Glickstein, who is a nurse and has been working um, with health policy and uh, in broadcast journalism. So uh, we were talking about quite a different things, but the most thing, most recent thing was about health care policy. So um, what, one of the things I'm interested in, Barbara, is what happens Well, you had just started to talk about it, that you have these people who are researching and writing up papers, and then how does that paper become part of everyday life for a nurse? Well, not only just for a nurse, if I may expand it to the general public and the interest of why um, we know how hard people work to both fund their research, have it published, and um, have a limited viewer or readership. Um, right. And, of course, not every piece of research can be translated into a public-framed um, news article. Uh, you know, reporters have to pitch these ideas to their editors. It's got to fit in with mm-hmm. the news cycle, uh, etc. However, mm-hmm. those nurses that are publishing research or publish, publishing positions on policy um, can learn, and we do train nurses, who, have, who wish to learn this process, how to translate that paper into either an op-ed or to frame that paper findings into a language and reaching out to journalists 
to pitch them why this is newsworthy and of public interest. Uh, again, perhaps not every research article will be pitched that way, but too many aren't. Um, speaking with journalists, I understand that very few of them get press releases from journals. The American Journal of Nursing is a well-established over 120 years, I believe. They have a large department. They send out news releases, press releases on some of their top studies. But it is very possible for nurses who are listening who have published to learn how to write your own press release or to call the journal that your article was published in. Now, of course, it has to be timely. So if this is Mm -hmm. something from 10 years ago, perhaps it's a little late. However, if you've recently published something and there wasn't a press release sent out to the way that journalists receive press releases, you can call the journal and ask for the communications director and say, I understand you have a limited amount of communication um, access to sending out these press releases. How can I get a press release with your help written and distributed? Um, you can be your own publicist. Uh, I happen to know the publishing world as well. Anyone who's published a book in the last X number of years, 20 years, know that only the top 1% of authors have a marketing campaign and publicist. So most authors are their own publicists. I think yeah. authors have to learn to be their own publicist as well. The, um, the ability to learn how to write an op-ed is happening around the country. Rush University in Chicago has brought in the op-ed team. Um, it's a group of women who are teaching others how to write op-eds. Uh, they're training their entire faculty on this process. Um, I've taken the op-ed training myself, and it's really helped me be a better writer and learned how to write an op-ed. So there are multiple training opportunities, including through the George Washington University School of Nursing Center for Health Policy and Media Engagement, an opportunity to take media training where although it's not as extensive only about op-ed, we do cover op-ed writing, but we teach how to do strategic messaging around the issue that you would like to be engaged and learn how to be more media competent to be available to journalists, producers, uh, anywhere that you'd like to also be a public speaker about, and we teach and train uh, that opportunity. Barbara, could you give an example of something that perhaps you took from or you you know of that was taken from, you know, somebody's paper to actually getting into being heard by the general media? Yeah, it happens. It actually does happen all the time. I can tell you of a pediatric nurse practitioner, um, Dr. Mary Chesney, who's from Minnesota, uh, she was a leader in um, ad, uh, advocating and addressing the archaic laws around scope of practice in the state of Minnesota. Uh, she was already had media competency, but we worked with her, and she took our training and wrote a brilliant editorial, op-ed editorial in the major um, newspaper in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and as well as spoke in front of the elected officials about the reasons why and took a number of published articles that addressed the competency as well as relevancy and accuracy that nurse practitioners working in communities practice, which really has substantial amount of published research. I know you're covering this topic in a couple of weeks. 
uh, around scope of practice and nurse practitioners working in the community. So that's one strong example. It was very well received, uh, part of a campaign, a larger campaign, where legislation was passed um, that changed some of the archaic laws on practice in the state of Minnesota. Great. And that she was majorly involved in that? Yes, she was. Wow. Uh, I'm finding there are some pretty interesting people in the state of Minnesota that yes. have been doing some pretty profound work, and some of them for many, many, many years and decades. The so that has been exciting. Sorry. The University of Minnesota Center for, Spirit, Center for um, yes. Spirituality, Dr. Yes. Mary Jo Kreitzer, also is the director of the Doctoral in Nursing Practice on Integrative Nursing, on Holistic Nursing. She brings us to media train all of her doctoral students once a year because she believes that every doctorally prepared nurse should be equipped with the tools to be media competent. Yeah, I've had uh, Marie Manthe on, mm-hmm. uh, actually twice, and I'd like to have her on <clears throat> again. And she worked with um, uh, Mary Jo Kreitzer also uh, in, the, in some of that work, and so it's been very interesting. Um, so I had a thought here, and it, it disappeared for a minute. Oh, I know. One of the things that I've noticed, both as being a nurse and being a, a, an RN uh, or a teacher teaching RNs, is that it seems like, and maybe it's this 90 to 91% of, of nurses are female, and so many females are reluctant to speak up, especially in an environment where they may be saying something that others might not agree with. And I just find that they would rather not say anything than to put in their piece of, of uh, input. Uh, I don't know if that's something you see too. Is it it's something that's changing as the this next generation is coming along and are um, hopefully more adept at speaking? Uh, I think it's across the board um, changing. And I would also like to suggest that um, I've been in this career for over 35 years and I've been able to find and uh, be around nurses who are willing to stand up. So I, I, I understand what the, your point, and certainly uh, there are situations where nurses can't speak up because their jobs are in jeopardy. Right. So protecting one's um, uh, job is critical. Uh, we all need our jobs. We all have responsibilities that require the resources that we gain from our positions. Having said that, I do believe, and I do, I have witnessed in the hundreds of nurses that I've media trained, some who came reluctantly, who have left having a little bit better sense of their own voice. And by that, I mean um, women in general tend to not call themselves experts. Mm-hmm. Nurses yes. tend to have a hard time calling themselves experts. I would suggest that when you have that many, whatever number of years of experience that you have, as a generalist or as a uh, specialist, you are beginning to build your expertise. There is Mm -hmm. no reason during a media interview, whether it's print or broadcast, where if a question was posed to you and you didn't know the answer, you're a human and those listening or reading, because it probably won't wind up in a print article, the proper Mm -hmm. answer would be just like in any other time in your life, which would be, that's an interesting question. I really don't know the answer to that. You can then get back to the journalist if it's print, mm-hmm. if you're investigating it, and give the answer if the journalist thinks it's pertinent to their article. And on sure. the air or on TV, we're all human, as I said, and the viewer would just think, wow, I can really trust that person. She doesn't say things she doesn't know anything right. about. 
Um, right. So I, I do feel that uh, some people are stronger and have more confidence and everyone can gain confidence. So I'm very positive mm-hmm. about the abilities of many people who would never think they'd want to be on television or on radio like we're doing today, that mm-hmm. a print journalist may be where they pitch their idea to. They can right. have time on the phone and they can think through. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say something about this, um, and, and, and if I can move into the revisit of the Woodhull study, um, which has to do with nurses in the media, unless you have mm-hmm. something else you'd like to bring no, up. No, go now. ahead. That's fine. All right. Um, so back in 1997, uh, uh, Sigma Theta Tau International, the Honest Society of Nursing, um, commissioned the, uh, a study called the Woodhull Study on Nursing in the Media. That was conducted by the University of Rochester School of Nursing, and it was um, called the Woodhull Study of Nursing and the Media, Healthcare's Invisible Partner. Nancy Woodhull was the founder and CEO of USA Today. She has since deceased, and she funded the study. She wanted to know where did nurses show up in the media. Mm-hmm. So they did a media analysis in the month of September 1997. They looked at two national newspapers, five metropolitan daily newspapers, four weeklies, and five trade publications. And here's what they found, that even though nurses would have been germane to many of the stories cited, they weren't. Hmm. Not one nurse was named in a photo accompanying those stories. Only 4% of nurses were sources in seven major newspapers, 1% in news magazines, and 1% in trade publications. So the Center for Health Policy and Media Engagement is revisiting the 2018 Woodhull study revisited. Uh, We've been funded to look at the original data and to repeat some of the Mm -hmm. study. Now, of Mm -hmm. course, we have digital media now. So replication of the original study will include print, but it will also have to now include digital since so many print newspapers have gone under. We have hired um, and consulting with the Berkeley Media Studies Group, who over the month, same month of September of 2017, did what's called a data scrub of looking for nurses in uh, all content articles that had health or health news in it. The second phase is uh, Dr. Mason and I are interviewing health journalists about their experiences as using nurses as sources. Mm-hmm. And I can tease out a little bit of information if you'd like, although the report will be formally um, presented at the National Press Club on May 8th um, about some of the findings. Would that interest sure. you? Yes, that would okay. be interesting. Uh, so journalists told us this. It's really hard to find nurses. So if you're a nurse and you're listening, I want you to Google yourself and see how easy it is to not only find you, but find out your expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, The other issue that came up regularly was that reporters, when they do try and use a nurse as a source, don't get back to them right away and they're on deadline. So they have to move on to someone else. I've already Mm -hmm. mentioned this. Reporters don't understand the difference between a BSN, a DNP, a PhD, a CSS, etc. Yep, um, I call it the al- alphabet soup exactly. of nursing. <laughs> exactly. Um, in some instances, reporters told us they have to convince their editors that they should use a nurse for a source, and sometimes editors tell them no, call the physician. Mm-hmm. And the last piece that I'll share, and again, the findings will be reported on May 8th, is that 
when they called communication directors, whether at major medical centers or at university medical centers or at universities, main department of communications, they were never offered a nurse as a source unless they specifically asked for one. It's so interesting how much, um, you know, just the way we've always done things just keeps going and nobody really questions uh, why that is. So, so yeah. we're, we're questioning that. That's what our study will do. And we, we plan on having an action plan for the nursing community an action plan for the journalist community, an action plan for communication directors and deans of schools of nursing. Mm -hmm. Um, And people ask, you know, why media? You know, I think you started out, why do nurses be in the media? So I just would like to take a moment and suggest why. So in addition to um, it being our ability to set an agenda, whether it's about uh, vaccinations or it's about uh, community-based care, uh, reproductive health, maternal child health, uh, geriatric nursing. We can set an agenda when we get our messages out to the public and policymakers. It's also a way to really mobilize the community around an issue. Look what's happened in Flint, Michigan around the water issue. Yes. We, we yeah. know that was a pediatrician who sparked that investigation and has led the way. I am sure there have been nurses with her doing that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a grassroots mobilizing effort. And finally, something called media advocacy, which is a strategic use of the media in order to build a public policy momentum around issues around access to care, quality care, cost, et cetera. So that's why nurses need to be involved in media. And you mentioned it as well, Leanne, that we have opportunities and the potential to change the stereotypes of nurses that entertainment media are perpetuating still right. in 2018. Yeah, and especially the sexy nurse um, uh, kind of thing that goes across. And, you know, it just seems like that is so ingrained. I know when I was in nursing school, I was approached by people all the time saying, oh, you're a nurse, so you will be willing to be involved in whatever. And I was just, I was so naive at the time. I didn't even know what they were talking about, but um, soon learned that that was definitely a question to answer no to. Um, <clears throat> we are coming up against a break here again. And so I think we will just uh, take a break here. We've been talking about all kinds of things, but particularly uh, focusing on how nurses are not now in the media, um, not used as experts, and how uh, nurses need to stand up and be able to uh, speak up for themselves and recognize themselves as experts. So this is uh, Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and my host today is Barbara Glickstein. Uh, We will be back in just a couple of minutes. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events 
to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, we are back. Once a nurse, always a nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and we're talking today about nurses in the media. There's so much material that we could cover in here. I'm just going to go right to my guest, Barbara Glickstein. And one of the questions I've had, and it comes down to as we're talking about policy and different things, and I'm sure the frustration of many, many people as we listen to our legislators in Washington uh, making very quick decisions about very complicated subjects without apparently even connecting with the people who are involved. I'd be interested in your thoughts about that and how we might be able to influence policy going forward. Well, one of the things that I think is critical is that people stay on top of the issues. And there are so many, as you've stated, Leanne. I currently, both as a journalist and as a nurse, Every morning, I receive Kaiser Health News, I read Stat, I read the New York Times, the Washington Post, and I look at the Wall Street Journal, as well as some other sources that are sent to me around legislative issues that are of importance. Um, It can be overwhelming, but um, some of, like Kaiser Health News and Stat, which comes out of Boston, really does a good curation of top issues. Kaiser Health News certainly would be the lead on that. So I would encourage uh, the listeners to 
stay on top of what those issues are, both on the state level and on the federal level. Uh, we've come through without the, as you all are aware, uh, without the complete um, uh, ACA uh, being removed as, as part of our health care policy in this country. However, be mindful of the fact that the Department of Health and Human Services and other um, departments in the federal government are whittling away, uh, whether it's removing information from websites that have been up there uh, addressing issues on uh, reproductive health, on LBGTQ issues, uh, these are things that are happening um, unbeknownst to most of the public. I think mm-hmm. it's critical that nurses uh, be aware of it, wherever your position is on any of these topics, so that when you're directing um, a family or a client or a, a patient to federal um, websites, whether it's the CDC or Health and Human Services or .gov, that a lot of information has been removed. Um, and, and we need to see what they're removing in order to know in terms of what's legally available in this country, uh, accurate evidence-based information has been removed from those websites. On the federal level, that's true. On the state level, where we may have more influence and where we're seeing even the Medicaid expansion program in states that we didn't think that would happen, it's happened. But now we're looking at a potential um, work, demand work uh, for Medicaid coverage uh, mm-hmm. policies being initiated. Uh, I don't know, um, again, people have political positions on this, but certainly um, those of us who work in communities of low resource, we understand that many of these families do work. Uh, their income levels are too low for them to be able to afford insurance on the exchange, which is still available since we still have that part of the ACA available. Um, and we sweated out whether they would uh, be uh, refunding uh, CHIP, which covered 9 million children right. in the United States. Right. So w- pick, your, pick your topic and follow it. Um, if you can't follow it all in the area of your expertise, I would certainly hope that you can be a generalist but certainly know what's going on in your area of clinical concerns and expertise. Yeah, it's a full-time job. Um, Yeah, I could see where it would be best if you could choose something that you want to really be uh, focused on. You you could get pretty lost if you try to look at all of it all of the time. Um, I know there are times when I just have to take a news holiday (laughs) because it just gets to be a little bit too overwhelming. I'm thinking that other people feel that way also. Yeah, no, I definitely try and do that myself. I think um, as soon as I get off my break, though, I catch up because it's critical uh, critical for me to understand what's happened, what did I miss. Um, Mm -hmm. I do feel refreshed. I hope you do as well, Leanne, when you (laughs) take those breaks. Um, It's important for us all to take breaks from... Um, information overload and stress, mm-hmm. and sometimes these political um, concerns can create a lot of stress in our lives, and we can only be effective when we are healthy and our energy is um, stable and our rest is complete. Um, otherwise, right. um, we are no good to anyone, particularly to ourselves. So I, Barbara, I assert, as we yeah. go forward with um, the decisions that are being made, in what ways do you think nurses could be most effective in getting across to those people making decisions what is important and what is needed? How, how is the best way for us to use our voice? 
Well, I, you know, from what I understand, it's still really good to pick up the phone and call your representative or to shoot them off a, a letter, whether that's snail mail or email. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big um, proponent of signing on to myself personally, um, to signing on to online, uh, you know, campaigns. I'm not sure mm-hmm. where they land. Um, right. I have a personal contact phone number, not personal cell phone, but I call the office of my uh, elected officials as mm-hmm. well as um, send an email or put a postcard in the mail. Uh, I think that personal touch um, does get heard and listened to. So that's still my old school recommendation. So postcards are still effective. I guess that's one of the things I've been involved in some of that uh, movement, but it just feels so slow. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, the post office could be better, but we know if we drop something off on a Monday, they'll get it by Wednesday in most parts of the country. Yeah, even means slow in in, um, fact of, you know, sitting down with a group of people and writing out these postcards. It just seems to take a phenomenal amount of time, and it feels like it's only one small postcard that's, you know, going, and is it even going to be seen? But it's good Um, to know that it is still... I would suggest that it is seen. I would suggest that if it wasn't seen by by the elected official, we know that in every office there is the person who's their health policy or social policy uh, appointee in that office, Believe me, they're reading them, and you are the voters. Uh, they do want to know what you think, and and we will see uh, this. Uh, you know, in in every election cycle, in those in those uh, districts where people have felt they have not been heard, and what their position is based on what happens in those re-election campaigns or new campaign, uh, when, for those who have, uh, you know, reached their limit, their term limits, if there are term limits, uh, who gets, who gets voted in. I would never discount sitting and writing a postcard or a letter or an email or picking up the phone. They do matter. Good. That's good to know. It, it, you can feel kind of frustrated. We have about five minutes left here in this session. I definitely want to go to the films that you've been involved in and right. some of the things that are available to nurses, and, well, in the general public, to be able to see coming up. Yes. So I am um, fortunate to be the nurse consultant to Carolyn Jones Productions. Um, they are the uh, documentary filmmakers who their first documentary film was called The American Nurse. Uh, in addition to the American Nurse, I have worked on the project called DyingInAmerica.org. It's a brilliant multimedia website with 50 nurses who work in palliative care and hospice have been interviewed, and their interviews have been uh, edited to 1.5 to 2-minute videos around topics that families, caregivers, healthcare professionals can go to and direct patients and families and friends to. And that year of research on interviewing those 50 nurses resulted in the documentary film that was released on November 1st of 2017 called Defining Hope. Uh, We had a national launch. It's been playing across the country, and I'm excited to share news that it will also be seen on PBS in the month of April across the country. Uh, If you're listening and you're interested to find out whether it's being shown on your PBS station, you should go to the website for Defining Hope, which is hope.film, and under See the Film, click on Broadcast Schedule, and on that schedule page, you can put in your zip code, 
and uh, and find out what night it'll be playing. It is a the feature film is 80 minutes long for PBS. It's been cut to 60 minutes um, for television viewing. And the other thing I wanted to share is that an education study guide, as well as vignettes from the film has also just been released, and nurses can go on and get 1.25 free contact hours for watching the film and completing the evaluation, thanks to Walden University, who is the accreditor of that 1.25 accreditation. And how can they get the study guide? It's on hope.film, where you can get further information. Great, in the same place. You heard it here first. That's exciting. That's right. Both the broadcast... And the education. Maybe not first, but for your listeners, maybe first. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Um, I will definitely be spreading this as far and wide as I can do that. That is just, uh, I did watch part of it and <clears throat> was very impressed with what I had seen. Uh, clearly, you did an excellent job, uh, both with the filming and uh, editing. And um, it's it's a very quality uh, film to be able to listen to. So I really encourage people to do that if at all possible. And I think to swing back to our opening and your, your why you do radio, Leanne, and why I do radio and, and being a guest on your show today, and it's, it's to help the public understand nurses. You know, I know everyone loves to remind us that we're the most trusted profession, the yes. Gallup poll every year for many years. But here's what I say to that. Let's leverage that trust. Let's mm-hmm. make that trust be our powerful ledge where we can help the community better understand what it is we do, educate journalists, be engaged in the media, and help the public better understand the roles that we have across communities, in schools, in institutions, in communities, in many, many places. I don't know about you, but I've been a nurse for a number of years, and people say, but you're a journalist, and I tell them, I am a journalist, and my work is framed by my public health nursing. Everything Mm -hmm. I see and everything I do is framed through that lens, and I would suggest that for all of us, we further our voices and engage others in helping better understand what is that frame, what does it mean to be a nurse, and why does it matter? Uh, you had mentioned um, before we got on the air, we were talking about the number of nurses in the United States and in the world. Do you want to uh, just uh, say that again? There are about 3 million nurses in the United States and globally 13 million. We're a powerful that, force. Mm-hmm. It is so phenomenal to me to realize that and, and that that number can be growing uh, because of the situation with uh, all all around the world, uh, the aging of the people that were in that generation of the boomers. We have come to the end of our show, unfortunately. I'm always sad when this comes. Um, but this has been fascinating to talk with you, Barbara. I'm so glad that you were able to clear some time for this. And um, you provided a lot of information for a lot of people, and it certainly is encouraging to me, so I have to think it will be encouraging for others. The other thing is that this is an international show, and what we find is that the problems that nurses have in the United States, they have all around the world. So these are things that could be utilized, hopefully, all around the world. 
So, um, <clears throat> I, again, I want to thank you for being here. And um, this will go out on podca- podcast within about 24 to 48 hours. So we are signing off from Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing with myself, Leanne Meyer, and my guest, Barbara Glickstein. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.